Welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. This is a podcast where we bring successful tech sales professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs to share best practices, insights, and lessons learned with other tech sales professionals. As a sales professional, the more we learn, the more we earn. Once we earn it, how can we put those hard-earned commission dollars back to work to build additional income streams that will create the freedom we are all working to achieve? I'm your host, Chris Freeman. I'm a high-tech sales leader, real estate investor, and lifetime learner. Well, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Freeman. And for our next episode, I'm excited to have Jason Braun, who is a seasoned networking and security sales pro. So Jason was actually referred to me by another guest, so I'm really looking forward to uh, learning from him. Uh, welcome to the High Tech Freedom Podcast, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Chris. Pleasure's all mine. Why don't you tell my audience a little bit about uh, more about yourself and your background in tech sales? Sure. So I got uh, in tech sales about 24 years ago, just uh, on a whim. I had a few friends in the industry. I actually, you know, what most people don't realize because it's been so long, uh, I have a degree in mathematics. I was actually coaching high school baseball. As I was finishing up school, played played college ball myself, thought I was going to be a teacher and coach and stumbled into technology sales through some mutual friends and family uh, that had been in the industry and uh, really fell in love with it. And, you know, 24 years later, here I am. There's not much in technology I haven't sold, you know, from my initial uh, inside sales job of selling fax servers to network and infrastructure. I spent uh, most of the first half of my career in software and uh, application uh, monitoring and availability. And then the last 10 years in the in the cybersecurity aspects. So have seen quite the change, you know, all the way from software infrastructure and, you know, tech and cyber for the last 10 years, which the innovation, you know, one of the things that I love about tech sales is just the constant change, innovation, uh, having a degree in mathematics. You know, there's still that pseudo geek in me, and uh, there's no no better industry than tech sales. Well, man, now now I'm curious. So, <laughs> as a mathematics major, what did you think you're going to do with that degree as you were going through it? I, I thought I was going to teach and coach. You know, I basically walked away. Uh, from a high school teaching and coaching opportunity to to try tech sales. It's you know my passion. It's probably you know why I always fall back into leadership is because you know that coaching and mentoring aspects of you know what's in my DNA. So, uh, you know, technology sales has given me an opportunity to you know give back in a different way, right? You know, I still look at it, a lot of it as teaching, right? Just like I did, you know, 20, 20 plus years ago before getting into this industry. Uh, but, you know, obviously there's some financial aspects and, and other things for, you know, personal reward that you get out of it, which, you know, it's hard to walk away from once uh, once you get established in this industry. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually just within my own territory over the years, I've known a few Ex high school coaches that were technology sales reps, and you know there was what they loved to do, and then there's what paid the bills, and you know it, it made a little bit more in the technology sales role. Yeah, I mean it's funny you say that because you know I think I you know, I fell in love with this, you know to be honest, right? Because you know being in athletics since I was four, you know playing at an extremely high level in several sports, 
you know, that competition aspects of it, you know, that uh, work ethic, right? You know, the desire to be better than the person next to you. But yet, you know, what I think what most people fail to realize is sales is a team sport, right? Um, you can be an all-star, uh, but it takes a, a, you know, a great team to, to, you know, reach the ultimate goals and, and to maximize the opportunities, you know, put in front of you. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I think great leaders, great athletes see that. And, you know, that translates into into what we've you and I've been doing for, for decades. Right. So I, I don't see much difference outside of just the physical aspects of it. Right. So, you know, there's still the strategy. There's still the game plans. It's still, hey, what is the you know, what is your competition doing? Right. What's you know, what's the referee, i.e. your customers thinking about what's going on in this battle? So. So to me, there's a lot of synergies. I use a lot of sports analogies as, as part of my game plan because, you know, a lot of it is motivation, right? And, and a lot of it is just, you know, getting the most out of your skill sets and the opportunities in front of you. Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, had an opportunity to interview somebody that played a Division One football, and uh, he talked a little bit about the discipline of going through high school and then, you know, the elite levels of collegiate Yep. football and sports, there's a certain amount of discipline that just gets beat, you know, not beat into you, but it gets conditioned into you every single day. And um, he talked about how he took that into his sales role and that, that helped him a ton. And I imagine as a leader, you know, you probably have an opinion on, you know, discipline and how that can help salesperson be successful. Yeah. I mean, I think discipline, I, I like to call motivation, right? That self-motivation of, you know, what, what gets you up in the morning, you know, what, what's driving you, you know, there's a lot of things that can help you through different stages of your life. I know, you know, it's changed for me over the course of, of my life, you know, from being a 25 year old, you know, with the, with my newly expense account flying all over the country to now a father of two and Mary you know, and all that good stuff, you know, your motivation changes, but that discipline, you know, and, you know, when you talk about sports, there's a, a very important, I think a statistic that most people, I didn't even know about it until recently that only 7% of athletes actually play any form of college sports. Hmm. Right. So that 7% to, you know, just like you've, you've mentioned, you know, it carves a, a desire, a motivation, a work ethic in, in a lot of people. And I would say, you know, it really shaped my life, right? And my expectations of, you know, not only myself, but the, pe- the people I surround myself with, right? At that, that team, because, you know, I know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a lot of support, a lot of mentoring, a lot of coaching, uh, guidance, right? That, you know, from my vantage point, you know, I always like to pay it forward, right? As much as you can and maximizing even the opportunities in front of us today, which, you know, I think you and I are pretty blessed at this stage of our careers. We've, we have more opportunities than we've ever thought we'd have. And, you know, how do you one, maximize that for our, for ourselves and our family? But then two, you know, how do you, how do you do it for the better good? And, you know, for as many people that cross your paths as possible. You mentioned the concept of uh, it's a team sport as you were talking about the sales role. And, 
Can you expand on that a little bit? I mean, if you're just a sales rep, where does the team come in? Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you say that, right? I mean, most people don't look at it that way, but you know, as a, even when I make changes and go through new interview processes, uh, you know, I try to get people to understand that viewpoint, right? Um, you know, the, the very first person you think about in technology sales specifically is your solution architect or your sales engineer, you know, your your partner in crime of who's helping you, you know, through the technical aspects of what you are positioning and selling, right? So, you know, the easiest, you know, form that most people can relate to is that dynamic, right? And, and in some cases, and, you know, I'm guilty of it, you know, I would, you know, as an individual contributor, I would spend more time with that person than I would with my own family, right? They become, you know, kind of my second spouse of sorts, um, so that's, you know, I think that's one aspect of it. But now you've got marketing and branding, right? Of, hey, you know, what does your, you know, your company represent? What solutions? What, what problems are they solving? Um, and especially in today's world, as you well know, it is tremendously different than how we started 20 plus years ago where, you know, we would walk around with our in-focus projector machines and give product demos. And it, that was really the first time they ever saw our product. In today's world, you know, they are seeing online demos. They are seeing chat boards. I mean, they they know more about our products than, you know, than ever before we even get in contact with a, with a prospect or a customer, right? So the branding and marketing is even more important. And then ultimately you got, you know, your product's got to work, right? And, you know, the whole back office of, you know, product management and how do you prioritize, you know, feature requests and enhancements and delivering a stable and solid product, right? So, you know, so when you think about, you know, sales gets a lot of the credits. We also, yeah, as you well know, you know, there's a scoreboard in our, in our industry. Um, you know, we get scored every 90 days, whether we like it or not. But at the end of the day, it's a team sport, right? All of those pieces need to be working um, together in unison. Um, and, and when you find that, that's where you, you know, and we, you and I have both had some cr- incredible careers and we've always had those, you know, those two, three jobs are like, God, you're always trying to get back to those. And that's when it's all working together, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me personally, my first one was at Quest Software, so, you know, six year run. I mean, it was early in my career. I was blessed. There was a lot of like minded folks there, but we had great products, great culture. And, you know, it was amazing. Right. And then, you know, you always try to find something that can beat that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to have, you know, three of those myself. And, you know, it's, it's, it's uh it's blessed, right? And you're always trying to recreate that, and especially as a leader, you know, how do you maintain and create that culture and especially at scale? Because that's always the hardest thing is doing it at scale. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the uh one thing you didn't mention, which you see in the bigger companies nowadays, is there's always um a number of different roles of specialists and overlay yeah. reps and you know, like you take a company like Cisco uh, or VMware or any one of those, even probably Salesforce, but how many different divisions they have for product specialties. Maybe it's an acquisition or something new, but, and, and I happen to lead a team of, uh, of a specialist today. And the ones that can figure out how to pull all of those people into your team and kind of run forward in alignment with a consistent strategy, man, those people hit it out of the park. You know, it's, it's how you get exponential growth in your performance numbers. 
Yep. Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head, right? The, the larger ones, it's even more difficult, right? But I would think more is even more critical. Yeah, you know, my first leadership job, I was an over, you know, specialist leading a specialist team across the country, right? And see that point, right? How do you get everybody bought into what you're selling and vice versa, right? How do you become an extension of the other teams? And as you look through it, those folks that have that ability to pull people together, to make them you know, think in a similar mindset and solve, you know, what the problems that are in front of them I mean. Those are the ones that maximize opportunities, right? Those are the ones going to club and being on, you know, white sandy beaches, you know, every year. Um, you know, I mean, to the points, right? My, my wife expects to be on a, have a free vacation every year. Um, and if God forbid, you know, those years that we don't get it, it's like, you know, what happens, right? Yeah. Because, you know, it's a team sport and even the family gets into it, you know, when you're doing it right. Yeah, I could use a white sandy beach right now. I could <laughs> snow in my backyard. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's pouring down here in SoCal as well. So uh, the sun, sun would be nice. Well, Jason, I'm curious. So you've been in the uh, security sales role for the last 10 years. Um, how does selling security differ from some of the other technology items that you've sold? You know, it's... Um, in any business class, there's three buckets, right? It's top line revenue, bottom line cost, and and risk is that third bus bucket. So for the most part, you know, I would say, you know, t- ten years ago when I got into it, it was it was much more of a compliance driven need to have around risk aspects, right? And it really was not as predominant. What you are seeing today, you know, because of the proliferation. Of what's happening, right? You can call it digital transformation. Bad guys are getting, you know, even better at their craft. Um, you know, there's a lot of variables in what we're doing. Um, so cyber today, you know, hits all three buckets, right? So when you when you think about it, uh, if somebody you know holds your ransom, you know, ransomware is in the news every single day. I mean, you are shutting down a business. Right. Uh, unfortunately, I've been personally involved in a few hospitals that have been in this situation where cancer patients can't get treatment. Right. So, you know, so it's not only, you know, revenue lost and in their case, hundreds, if not billions of dollars lost in revenue. It's actually lives being lost. Right. So it has fundamentally changed over the past decade which you know makes me even more passionate about what I do um, and why you know, I stay in cyber. Um, you know, while technology is expanding everywhere, as you well know, you're, you've been in this space, you know, cyber to me is, is hit home in the sense that, hey, bad guys are getting better. It's becoming more and more predominant. The innovation and what is changing to drive innovation has just made security that much more complex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and we're here to try to solve it. Right. And, you know, and we got to do it together. And, you know, to me, cybersecurity to that team sport, you know, it's the ultimate team sport. Right. I mean, yeah. IT has got to be working with security, app dev, DevOps. I mean, you you name it. Right. I mean, security should be a byproduct of what we are delivering to the market that drives, you know, business value. Um, obviously, it's driving costs out of the business, as you all know, with you know the, the agility of what we have in the cloud today and just operational efficiencies. Uh, but that risk model, right? And you know, so you know, to me, you know, we've started by you know the FUD value, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. 
but now it's transcended into you know true business value, right? And most organizations today, especially your you know I'll just say Fortune five thousand, not even you know five hundred, but the five thousand, they know exactly what how much cost you know and revenue is lost by minutes by hour if and when you know a, a so-called ransomware or any type of outage happens right so so to answer your question it's evolved right i mean it is and that's one of the you know one of the main things that i love to do is you know stay on top of it you know try to per- perfect my craft and share the you know share that change you know with the next generation because how you and i did it you know 10 20 years ago is not how we do it today um and you've and you have to evolve with the times yeah yeah i'm curious uh, just shifting gears a little bit um yeah. curious to get your opinion on something so you know we've had this uh, log 4j exposure out there now and what i've seen in social media or linkedin specifically is like every vendor has got their hand up going oh we've got a solution you know we can sell you this or we can sell you that and I don't know if I'm a customer, that's sort of not what I want to be hearing is I'm in the middle of a, um, you know, I, I've got to go in and now I, I was golfing with a guy and he just spent four days at the hospital, like 10 hours a day going in and patching systems. Yep. The last thing I want to hear from a vendor is, oh, we can sell you some, some new technology to fix it. You know, as a sales pro in that space, how would you handle that? Yeah, I mean, I call it the ambulance chasers, right? There's always going to be that aspect of it. I look at it just fundamentally as education, right? As, you know, yeah, you may have a solution, but does that, I mean, how people are addressing Log4j as an example or several, and I've talked to a handful of CISOs just to educate myself, right? One, how prevalent is it in their environments? Mm-hmm. Two, how they are addressing it. And everyone I've asked is fundamentally different. Right. So the frustration part that I get is when someone says, yeah, we can solve that. Well, you haven't even asked the question of how has it affected them? Mm-hmm. Right. And, you know, security programs, security, you know, your appetite for, for risk is fundamentally different uh, by organization. So to me, it's, you know, you should be asking the question, how can I help? Right. And what is wrong? And, you know, it's a, uh, Something that I've implemented, especially, you know, with, I would say, earlier in career folks, right, and mentoring, I call it the rule of five. And people always laugh. And I said, well, do you have children? And I always I always love to use this analogy because, you know, having two children myself, it reigns so true, is ask five questions, right? Just ask five questions before we make a statement. Um, and very simply, the analogy is having a kid is, you know, when you tell your son or daughter saying, hey, don't do that. And they ask you why. And then you, you got a great answer. They ask why again. Well, by the f- fifth time they say that, you're either going to have a, an adult conversation, depending on the topic, or you're going to say, because dad told you so. Right. Um, because you, you really get you know to the core of the problem. And in in the business world, what that means is you get to the million dollar problem. You get to truly what is keeping them up at night because Log4J may be on systems that are completely not critical to the business. And yeah, it's a royal pain in the backside because they've, to your point, four days, right? And that's, so I mean, I'm hearing folks that, you know, still, you know, what are we, a month into this, still patching systems, right? It is, it's much more of an inconvenience than it is the actual risk of their business. So, so my recommendation is just ask five questions, 
figure out what's their true pain. And what you'll probably hear is, you know, eight out of 10 of them, log4j is not even in the top five. That's the sad part, right? As pot, you know, as prevalent and as widespread as log4j is, it's not even in most people's top five, right? That's the scary part, right? That's the part that we, you know, we're all trying to help is trying to stay one step ahead because, you know, guess what? It's going to happen. You know, New Year's is right around the corner. That's when everybody hits is during the holidays. There's going to be another one, you know, next week. God forbid what that name is. And it's just, it's never, it's going to be a continuous thread, uh, unfortunately, right? Yeah. Hello, sales pros. I hope you are enjoying the High Tech Freedom Podcast. If you are interested in learning more about passively investing in multifamily real estate, you can download our educational ebook at hightechfreedom.com. While there, you can also sign up for our newsletter where we will provide insights on real estate investing as well as sales tips so that you can continue to crush it in your high tech sales role. Now, I often hear people say, eh, I'll get to that later or uh, I'll read that book later. Well, there's no time like the present to improve your knowledge. So I hope you take advantage of at least the newsletter. In the meantime, please reach out if I can help out in any way. Now let's get back to the show. Well, uh, hey, listeners, listen up, because there's something that uh, Jason said there that that you have to take consideration is, you know, as salespeople, you know, you want to go ask for something, but before you ask, you have to give value, you have to give something first. Otherwise, um, you're not solving the right problem. You're not providing any value. So be thinking, what value am I creating before I ask for anything? Yeah, you nailed it on the head, right? I mean, for, for to, to gain trust, especially in the security world, which is they're so inundated with folks like us knocking on their door, asking the help, you got to build that trust, right? And so what are you going to give them, right? You, you got to give them something to, for at least for them to even listen to you, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Well, so shifting gears a little bit. So uh, you've been a direct seller and, and led teams yep. and, you know, We've touched maybe on some of this already, but what separates the top performers from the rest of the pack? You know, I think, you know, we hit on one of them, which I think is so imperative, right? Is, you know, being able to, you know, be a great teammate. Um, And when I say that, you know, there's plenty of folks that are not great teammates that are still very successful in in this business. There is no perfect recipe of how to get it done. You know, to me, that's that's why I love this. You know, this sport. You know, I call it a sport. You know, for, you know, for the most part of getting reaching our goals. Um, but you know, for those, you know, to me, the very top of its class do one of two things, right? They're great teammates, but most importantly, they they are giving, right? They're the ones that are are constantly helping their customers, even in bad times, right? And I equate it to this. I say this to my customers, my partners, uh, even in my personal life, is I measure my partnerships in bad times, not good times. How are you going to treat me when my hair is on fire, when Log4j, as an example, is going crazy? 
And are you actually going to help me? Or are you going to be the one with their hand out, you know, trying to take advantage of the situation? Right. And, you know, when I think of it in my personal life, right. I mean, law goes through ups and downs, you know, God forbid, it's not all roses. You know, who are the friends that are calling me up saying, Hey, what are you doing tonight? Do you need to go have dinner, go have a drink? You know, do you need to talk? You know, those, those, are the folks that you surround yourself with. Those are the folks that not only have great years, they have great careers, right? Because they're all, they're going to have customers for life and not just have one blowout year and they are the one hit wonder, so to speak. So those are the traits that I think just fundamentally, when you look in the past, the ones that I've admired from not only an individual contributor, even leaders, is they will do everything they can to make sure that their customers, their team, uh, their organization all make it through the toughest of times. Yeah, that's interesting. I um, I have a rep on my team and he had a customer tell him, I think this this was at a maybe a football game in the suite. He goes, you know, John, the, the reason I like working with you and they've had a long relationship is you're you're still calling me when I'm not buying, yep. right? You're still there. You're still adding value, and uh, you know. Then when it does come time for a project or or address a problem, he always has a seat at the table. Yeah, that's to me perfect. There's another a specific example that I have, a gentleman that was earlier in his career, and he comes up and he goes, Jay, I'm just struggling with this customer, right? I mean, we have, I think we have a good relationship. You know, we, we talk on a regular basis, but I, I just, you know, he's not getting it. And I, I looked at him and I said, hey, bud, I go, have you ever taken him to lunch and not talked about work? I said, just don't talk about work. You know, I go, talk about his wife, talk about his kids. Like, what does he do outside of work? And he looked at me funny, like, man, I'm crazy, man. He's like, you mean you hired me to sell stuff and do all this? And I'm like, just, I go, just try it and come back, right? I mean, it's it's a $20 lunch. Two weeks later, he comes back, Chris, and he has the biggest grin on his face. And I'm like, uh-oh, what, what's going on? And he, he just goes, Jay, he goes, I can't believe it, it worked. He goes, now the guy calls me back all the time. He goes, you know, and it's just, I go, yeah, because he knows you're a human. He knows that you actually have an interest in his life and what he's doing. And I go, when you do that, you've changed the paradigm. You, you still need, as soon as they, we, you and I walk into a room, they know we're there to sell them something. Yeah. We don't need, that. That's, a, that's a given. But it's who walks out of that room that's gained that trust, that's gained that human element of, hey, they're actually here to help me um, are the ones that are going to win more than they lose now. But then, you know, you win because the rest of the team, you still, you still got a product that works and all the other good stuff, but you know, who's going to get the benefit of the doubt is the one that they generally care. You know, they feel that cares and has their interest at heart. And your example and my examples, I think are, are perfect um, to highlight that. Yeah. And by the way, I think, you know, if you're a seller out there, this is something that you need to start working on right now because you've been selling behind a Zoom screen for two years. Uh, you probably haven't had a great opportunity to sit there and break bread with your customers and build those relationships. And so I think that maybe the difference between the top performers in the next 2022 and, and the ones that are not are the ones that, you know, if you're comfortable with it, you probably can't get into the customer's office, but get out, have a breakfast, have a lunch, have a dinner, take them to a ball game 
And you probably need to work on getting good again at, you know, that face-to-face relationship building. And that will separate you from the rest of the pack. I, I, I feel really strongly about that. And that's something I encourage my team members to do as soon as they're comfortable doing it. Yep. No, absolutely. Right. And, and, and finding the ways to bridge that gap until people are comfortable doing it. Right. Not everybody is. Uh, but, you know, at the, end of, at the end of the day, even if you're working from home, you know, those guys are still working four straight hours, you know, four straight days patching log 4j right yeah. and so you know they still want to have a friend an outlet right that uh, understands what they're going through um and so you're there for them even even during bad times well let's uh, let's shift on so you know, the, the theme of the podcast is you know you first need to learn from the best in order to earn like the best and then once you earn it how do you take those uh, hard-earned commission dollars and redeploy it uh to build additional income for uh, the freedom that we're all looking for. So I am curious to hear from you, you know, once you earn those hard-earned commission dollars, what do you do with it? I'll buy as many boats and useless things as I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, from my vantage point, you know, I was, I've always been a builder, right? And so I've, I looked at real estate as a fundamental driver, right? And investments, right? So I still have a very healthy portfolio, uh, retirement, right? So I think the very fundamentals, you know, very beginning before we were making any money is, you know, as simple as maximizing 401ks. I mean, I still scratch my head of you know, peers that you and I, you know, been here doing decades, still haven't done that basic aspect of maximizing a 401k. You mean uh, to get the match? Yeah, the, the match, match, it's tax deferred, right? There are so many different benefits to a 401k, right? But from my vantage point, it was always invest, right? It, it was, it's a matter of cash flow. And, you know, when you have those great years is where do you invest that to, you know, quote unquote, save for a rainy day. So from my mentality, you know, has been, I, I have never sold a piece of real estate. And, you know, while I have a few rentals, I haven't been you know, as proactive as you and a few other of my peers in that, in that side of it, it was much more about building, you know, for my family, right? And making sure that God, you know, God forbid I have a bad year that, hey, I could, you know, I could, you know, be able to live and survive, you know, for years to come. And from my vantage point, you know, my whole operational model is I live on my base salary. All of my commissions go to one of two things, either investments and or two. The one thing that I will always do is I, we call them adventures in my house is, you know, we plan vacations, right? Because of the sacrifices you and I make of being away from our families. You know, whether it's on Zoom calls, whether it's traveling back, you know, but pre pandemic, you know, to me, having those quality time and, and, you know, and actually having something for the family to look forward to uh, together um, are the two things that I've always, you know, took at the top of my list and nothing will get in the way of, of doing those things. So, you know, from my vantage point, real estate has enabled me to do that. Uh, I can't even, if I had to buy my own house today, you know, without any of the other previous investments, there, there'd be no way in heck. We were fortunate. My wife, you know, when baby two came, was able to stop working um, all because of the investments 
paying it forward, right? Investing that aspects in real estate from my vantage point has always been the second piece, you know, as you all know, a lot of, a lot of our peers have beautiful cars and God, I love to ride in them and drive them every once in a while, but you know, having depreciating assets literally makes my hair turn grayer than it already is. So, you know, I pay cash for my cars. I, I literally, there's only one car I haven't paid cash for it's because they gave me a 0% interest. Right. Loan. I was like, dude, it's, it's free money. So I'll go and, you know, take it somewhere else and, you know, make more money. Other than that, it's to live, live within your means and pay, you know, pay it forward. Right. Those are the things that I've done, right? Is investments. You know, I've been fortunate. I've been able to invest in early stage companies because it's, you know, that's kind of what I do today is, you know, I'm still advising, you know, startups and early stage companies on top of my day job. Um, and, you know, trying to help folks do the same thing, right? Not everybody likes real estate. Not, not very many people like quote unquote being a landlord, but I think there are ways. To mitigate that, but the financial benefits of it, uh, for me, have I mean, it's been amazing. Um, when I yeah. when I look on paper of you know you know the assets that I've been able to accrue over the past twenty years, I mean, I even surprise myself and go, "Wow, you know, you're, you've done pretty good." And and, I, and I'm fairly conservative, so yeah, I know. I when when I started, I was always looking for uh, investments that could generate some additional. Uh, income or some ad- additional cash flow, and uh, real estate wasn't the only thing that I looked at. But that's the, over time that I definitely put more of my emphasis on that. And I read a quote one time; it was from Warren Buffett that said that if you don't find a way to make money while you sleep, you'll you'll work until you die. And so that always kind of resonated in the back of my mind. Is you know I don't mind working because I like it. But I also, at some point when I leave, I don't want to just start drawing down on the 401k. I want to have something that's spitting out dollars. So, you know, I can maintain the lifestyle and go take the trips and travel and do, you know, golf, do whatever it is I want to do. Yeah, my saying is sim- you know, similar in nature, but when I'm on the white sandy beach and, and you know, include, you know, just enjoying the adventures with my family, I still want to be making money. Yeah. Right. So how, so how do you do that? Right. That passive, you know, it's all about passive income. Well, if you think of look at the inflation rates and you look at what the cost of living is going to be, even when you and I are, you know, decide to shut it down, you know, even a 401k for most people and plus Social Security, it's not going to cut it. it, Right. I mean, especially, you know, I'm blessed to live in Southern California. It's it's not cheap if I'm going to stay here. Right. So, you know, so finding to your point, finding the passive income, I have just found real estate to be consistent. Um, and for my, for my kind of taste of risk, you know, when I read reports and doing all my analysis, do I put in the market? Do I do the day trading, which I used to do quite a bit earlier in my career? Um, it's just like, no, like, you know, it's proven every 10 years, the housing market never goes down at any period. Right. And for all of us who went through the, the 90s and then the financial crisis of 08 and 09, I mean, you look at, you know, the, ho- the housing value has all skyrocketed since then. Yeah, it's crazy. So nobody, nobody's lost any money if you stuck it out. Yeah, there's a great article. Um, if any of you subscribe to the Wall Street Journal, especially the online version, I think it was December 23rd or December 24th. And I, you know, drop me a note, I can send it over to you. But it was a really good article about, finding the right balance of assets in your retirement portfolio and how um, more analysts and, and professionals are recommending to get a larger shift of 
assets like real estate can generate um, that additional income versus just drawing down on your stocks. So really good article. It talks about the pros and the cons of all of the different uh, aspects of investing, but drop me a note if you want to get it. And you know, you can also go to our website at hightechfreedom.com. And uh, we have an ebook on there on just passively investing in real estate. And you can download that uh, or uh, just reach out to me if you want to chat more about that. Jason, as we wrap it up, is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, with the sales audience? No, I mean, I think in general, you know, no matter what stage of your career that you're in, my, my challenge to each and every one of you is be better today than you were yesterday, right? Um, constantly challenge yourself um, to, 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 to just be better, whether that's a better sales rep, better husband, better friend, um, whatever that is. Always look at it as, as an adventure, right? Um, it is a journey, unless you're fortunate enough to, to win the, the mega millions and, and the lotto at some point. It is about the journey. It's going and, and putting in that effort and being consistent in those goals and getting better, I think is, is where I would challenge each and every one of you to, to focus, right? And focus on yourself versus you know all the chaos around you uh, because the more success you have the more chaos you will bring to yourself um, because you know for multiples of reasons people want to duplicate what you do it's an ultimate form of flattery but you know number two is everybody you know everybody wants to be a part of something great so but challenge yourself you know, if you're like me, I have a whiteboard over here on the side of me, you know, with all of my to do's, you know, the, I think the most difficult thing we all have is time management, right? You're going to be torn in 5,000 different ways, uh, just making sure you maximize your time because the one thing nobody can buy is your, is time. So whether that, you know, prioritize, whether it's your family, your hobbies, your, you know, and even your craft, you have to invest in all of those things that, that make you the best person that you are in all aspects of it. So, um, and if, and if there's anything that I can personally help you with, right, you know, it's one of the reasons why, you know, I agreed with this, Chris is, you know, paying it forward to me is the ultimate of what I enjoy doing. It's why I have always, you know, for mo- you know, the majority of my career been in leadership. If, if you have a random question, if you need a mentor, um, if it's anything that, that you think I may be able to provide some kind of perspective, reach out. That's, that's, you know, don't be shy. And, and how can they reach out? Here. How can they reach out to you? So you can reach out to me at uh, just Jason at Zanpower.us. It's just, uh, you know, my, you know, consulting firm on the side where I help uh, advise, you know, advise uh, early stage startups. But, you know, or you can just, you can reach my cell phone too, uh, that, which is fine, 949-278-2628. And, you know, if there's anything, you know, LinkedIn, uh, you can look me up as well. Uh, but, you know, by all means, you know, those folks that are curious, that, that want to get better, you know, if there's any way that I can personally help, don't, don't be shy. Yeah, I really appreciate that. Well, Jason, thank you for taking the time with me today. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was nice to catch up. I uh, look forward to speaking with you soon. You too, bud. Best of luck. Stay, stay healthy, most importantly, bud. And we'll talk soon. 
Thanks again for joining us today. To get more sales and real estate tips, you can subscribe to our newsletter at hightechfreedom.com. You can also join our private Facebook and LinkedIn group that is exclusively for sales professionals. If you found a nugget of good information in the podcast, please subscribe, give us a positive rating and write a review. If there is a topic that you would like us to cover in the future, please send us a note through our website at hightechfreedom.com. Until next week, make this your best week ever. Music